I'm trying to compile, which brought you immediately to mind because you are the most skillful person I've ever met at authentically appreciating people's contributions. Mm, and thank you. that includes the contributions of altitudes, like the, the whole postmodern world space or the orange world space or the amber world space. So I, I'm trying to articulate <laughs> what the contributions of the postmodern egalitarian movement have been mm -hmm. to the world. Yeah. Do you have yeah. any ideas? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're astonishing. They're yeah. astonishing. And they're, they're, um, uh, it's hard to overstate their importance and how they've changed the world. Um, and you know, what are the great things about evolution in general is that an emergent is just that it's novel. It's never happened in the world before. So, and you can't predict it from the sum of the parts of the previous stages. And so we have this movement up through history where people become civilized after years of just random warfare, you know, and, 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 you know, the, the 10 commandments come online where it's not okay to lie and steal your neighbor's wife. It's like, that occurs to people. That comes online. And we get civilized at this amber traditional stage. And there's the you know, big emergence in the previous stages, too, including self-consciousness, waking up and just, you know, I exist. Uh, and then, you know, after traditionalism, uh, with all of the great wars and the, the, the great myths, um, all of a sudden, we realize that the world is knowable on its own terms. And rationality comes online. And the truth is observable. I don't have to read about it in the book. I don't have to hear about it from the priest. And that is, how could you predict something like that? <laughs> and so what happens at Green is after all of this human history, the, 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 the catastrophe of human history, day <laughs> one up to, you know, the, the, the first half of the 20th century, I mean, just... Horror, one horror after the next. We decide that the next thing that we're going to do is become nice. <laughs> we're going to get nice. We're going to look back and we're going to see that all of these people who have been hurt and left behind and, 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 and demonized, the sinners, the, 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 the losers, you know, the people, every stage has a, has a winner and a loser kind of thing. And at traditional, you're a saint or a sinner. At, at modernity, you're a, a, a winner or a loser. And, um, and at, um, and at postmodern or green, uh, I've often asked Ken, and we've talked about this in the inter integral world, what comes online at green? You know, how, do, what's, what's the, you're either this or you're not. And the best I could come up with is that you're cool. <laughs> that a green cool comes online in the sense that you see that all of these previous um, storylines about how my tribe was going to prevail or the superiority of my clan or my nation or even of enlighten the Enlightenment project of rationality that none of those work, that, 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 that we ended up with, you know, the first half of the 20th century. And so there's a, a real cleansing at Green. 
where we say, forget all of that. There, the, the, you know, in the extreme version, there's the idea that there's just no such thing as truth, period. And of course, that has its problems. But that also has its advantages because um, it allows us to drop that project of progress and, and to look at, um, well, what comes online at Green is this great realization of our interiors. You know, this is the, 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 the great therapeutic project of particularly the second half of the 20th century and now where we're introspecting and we're doing therapy and we're seeing our subpersonalities and our interiority. You know, I, I, I often say that, I, you know, everybody has a grudge about their parents uh, at some point, you know, when you're a teenager, early twenties. And, and my, my, my grudge against my mother particularly was that she didn't understand my interiors. She wasn't interested. And, at some point, I realized she wasn't interested in her own interiors, and nor was any of her brothers and sisters, <laughs> nor was anybody you know, in that generation. And uh, but that is an astonishing new thing—a whole new world opens up there. And uh, as Claire Graves says, we become sensitive because that's the only thing we have left, you know. And 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 it, and it not only—I don't mean to say that to diminish it. It's a huge new world of, of exploration. And, um, and so that's, you know, that's, that's sort of the big picture of what green postmodern is doing. That's a beautiful articulation. And um, again, I, I just knew that you would do this. And <laughs> I, I really would appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I think of these cycles of movement from one altitude to another in a cultural sense as having a life cycle. You know, there's a spring to this. There's a spring to green. There's a summer to green. There's an autumn and a harvest to green. And then there's a winter to green where everything goes dormant and dies only to be reborn at Teal, at second tier. And we went, they've gone through this cycle with every altitude, you know, in a collective and an individual sense. I mean, this is death and rebirth. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm dying to all of my orange and I'm being reborn in green. And I'm dying to all of my green and all of my green friends and being reborn and having to make second tier Teal friends. So, what what we want to do in this dialogue uh, that's going to be broadcast to these wonderful egalitarian organizations that have have done so much to contribute to the so many people getting in touch with their interior space, as you so brilliantly articulated. I mean, that really is the, co the contribution they've made. These organizations have been containers where people could come explore their interiors. Wow. I, you know, I hadn't really grasped that, the significance of that until yeah. you said it so clearly. So thank you. Mm -hmm. And um, then once we put that into perspective, 
we want to get real curious about what are the problems that are created. Because as Einstein says, the, the type of consciousness that creates, the level of consciousness that creates the problems can't solve them. Mm-hmm. We have to look to the next level. You know, the problems that were created by orange, orange can't solve. Mm-hmm. They, they, the green is born to solve orange's problems. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with, with green. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd like to see how, how you are, since you did so good there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what problems do you see that are created in the green altitude? And, and from my perspective, the green altitude has reached its winter time. Mm-hmm. The cycle is almost complete. Mm-hmm. But they, they don't see that they're in a life cycle. Mm-hmm. They think they're the end result. They're enlightened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like well, every first pyramid does. I mean, exactly. Every first has to make everybody else in the world like us project. Right. And dream does too. Of course. Uh, of course. And it's not until we move into the integral stages that we realize that actually everybody gets to be who they are. Everybody should be who they are. Uh, to uh, aggress on that is just problematic. And that you know, we're all growing up that the, the eros of the cosmos doesn't leave us alone. You know, it, it can't leave us alone. Nine-year-olds grow into 12-year-olds. You just can't stop them. There's no stopping eros. It's effective 12-year-old. You know, <laughs> you just have to feed and water them, you know, give them some sunlight yeah. and they'll grow. And mm-hmm. so we, 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 we learn that integral and we can relax with the fix everybody project but green still has it <laughs> amen <laughs> yeah and, and the main thing that green the, the main problem that green runs into is um that green is allergic to hierarchy because it saw the human history where we were always sorting and ranking and and oppressing and conquering and they, they don't want any part of that that's Fuck your grandiose ideas of how the world should be and that we're moving anywhere. It's it, and so they they and and so that's good. That's cleansing, but they get stuck there. And 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 as Ken points it out, I think in a very nice way. He talks about the difference between dominator hierarchies and natural hierarchies. And natural hierarchies are just. Nine-year-olds grow into 12-year-olds grow into 18-year-olds. That's just observable. Uh, And that there are um, stages of development all over the place. I remember when I did my Masters of Divinity at Naropa that I had an argument with one of my teachers about how acorns grow into seedlings, grow into saplings, and grow into oaks in that order and no other. And she just couldn't quite, she would not agree with that. And and it's simply because there's a sort of an implicit ranking that is, um, uh, we have antibodies to it, Green. It's just repulsive. Uh, Stop with your hierarchy. Stop with your ranking because we saw what it did. But then there are natural rankings. So where Green ends up is that it can't um, make value judgments. 
And it can't differentiate between something like an intrinsic value and a functional value, if you will. So yes, 18-year-olds can do lots of things that nine-year-olds can't. But is a nine-year-old any less precious? No. Not one iota less precious. <laughs> and, we can, and we can make that differentiation with stages of, of consciousness as well. Is somebody who's at an egocentric stage of consciousness uh, limited compared to somebody who's at a world-centric level of consciousness? Yes. Yes, they, they, they can't see. You know, it's one of the great things that Green sees that they're going crazy about right now, rightly so, is that when you're world-centric, you see that this planet is finite. And so you see that the whole system of this whole human system has to be sustainable in, in a way where we're not continuing to just eat up resources. That's news. I mean, that uh, people at modernity don't get that. It's growth at modernity. It's obedience at traditionalism. And it's, you know, sustainability. And, and, and so they're, they're so motivated to stop this idea of progress uh, that uh, they don't see that there's a natural progress that wants to happen. And so when you're green, I mean, you can't stop Eros. You, there's some part of you that just always wants to grow and is going to grow. So at green, you can, you can just continue to get greener. And this is where you have, like, for instance, at my, my Masters of Divinity group, where we were exquisitely tuned to white privilege and microaggressions and um, all of that sort of thing. The, you know, the sort of implicit racism and in, 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 in the, the dark side of American history. And all of that's true. And I'm actually in favor of people paying attention to that. I think that, that people who are in a Masters of the Divinity program at a Buddhist college in Boulder, Colorado, <laughs> ought to be dealing with that. You know, they ought to be ever more explicitly because that's actually adding to the, uh, it's actually broadening the um, playing field for all of humanity because it's staking out new territory and new realizations and new understandings. But does everybody need to go through that? No. And of course, every first-tier meme has this idea of, of hegemony where they think that everybody does need to see it their way. And so they sort of get lost and, and not only lost, uh, I don't even think they get lost. Actually, they're, like I said, they're, they're doing real territory, but they get um, uh, unskillful, if you will. Uh, and they also um, uh, make a lot of enemies uh, in, among these other groups that are not interested. You can go through a stage adequately, or you can go through a stage in you know, sort of full bore. You, know, you can become adequately modern, where you are rational and all of that good stuff. But you don't have to go all the way to scientific materialism in order to be fully modern. Same thing with, um, with green. You can uh, become sensitive uh, adequately where you don't want to oppress anybody anymore. You think everybody has equal rights. You actually are world-centric. But you're not interested in really, un you know, what, what green's doing is they're, they're finding, like, for instance, racism. 
Yes, modernity outlaws racism in, in the Civil Rights Act, for instance. So that's in the exteriors. That's the laws. In the interiors, ooh, baby, that's still there. <laughs> you know, Green, Green's project is to continue to shine light on every last nook and cranny. That's a good thing, right? But not everybody's going to go there. So anyway, so that's one direction that somebody can grow in Green. The other direction is um, where you actually start turning and looking back, if you will, uh, and seeing what's the parts of these previous stages that I have disowned, that I've become allergic to in a way that is not skillful and productive. And you start to see that um, what is like, for instance, what's good about the conservatives? What's good even about the Trumpers, you know? What's good about good traditionalism? And you start to see that there is this wonderful sort of home and hearth thing, this sense of the karma of my people. Uh, there's something about patriotism that actually is delicious and, and good, not when it's you know, hegemonic, and you think you're superior, but when you realize, it's, it's like, I, I use this as an example, because uh, it's just a recent example. Um, my sister did our DNA, you know, through this Ancestry.com, and it was surprising. It, it, I, I was a lot more English and Scandinavian than anything else, and I thought I was mostly German. Uh, <laughs> and and, and it, it was interesting to me, because I... Uh, I've been to Germany and, and I, I like Germany and I've been, you know, I go with my friend to Rome who, and she's Italian. She loves Rome. And it's so fun to be with her because she loves Rome so much. But I, Rome's awesome. I get it. But it's not my place. But you know what my place is? The Moors of Scotland. Oh. You know, the, the fjords of Norway. It's like I, when I've been to these places, I get this deep sense of home. It is so delicious that... I could see why people who are center of gravity traditional are not going to give that up and, and join you in this blender of multiculturalism where they feel that they have to give that up. And it's true in a sense. It, yes. Modern people aren't so interested in, in their in postmodern. It starts getting embarrassing, you know, to be patriotic, you know. Uh, so. But, but there's something that is there that, is, that needs to be brought forward at the integral. So a new way forward at Green is to turn around and mine what we left behind in the previous stage, right on down to magic. You know? So I'd like to share with you something that I'm just really becoming aware of as I travel and work in Europe. There's a huge difference from my perspective between the green that exists in Western Europe and the green that exists in Eastern Europe and the green that exists in America. Hmm. How so? Well, the, the melting pot that we have here, it, which relates exactly to what you were saying in Scotland, there's something about being Scottish that is really grounding in the earth. We don't have that thousand years of history in the soil here. So we don't have what they have there. We're not rooted in the earth. We're not rooted in our ethnocentric soil. 
it, it's not the same here. And I was stunned to discover something um, on the last trip. I was on a, on a train in England heading to Edinburgh. And um, there was a, a black gentleman that was there. And his energy, his demeanor was so different in Europe, in England, than it was in the U.S. And then it hit me. They had thousands of years of serfdom. They didn't have early orange slavery, which was mean orange. It was very inhuman, very humiliating. They didn't have that there. And, you know, the, 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 it just broke my heart open, and I can never look at what we call mean green in the same way again, because I saw the karmic reactivity, the, the self-righteous justification trying to balance the scales, the, the, the horrible mean orange slavery has to be balanced with a mean green energy. It's just the nature of evolution. It's karma. It's karma. You know, it's, it's action and reaction. It's yeah. karma. Yeah. So I saw into the storehouse at the circumstances that created the conditions that are the, the living, breathing karma. Mm -hmm. And it just broke my heart open. Yeah. And yeah. then if you add that what we did to the Native Americans to that, yeah. that I felt in Germany. Where, you know, what Hitler did is alive and they're connected to it. You know, they, they have a, a feeling we need to compensate for this atrocity. Yeah. Yeah. Where we don't quite have that in America for what we did to the Indians. Right. Yeah. And so, again, there's a, you know, that, that, that buried shadow or demon, you know, this actually goes into the demon territory. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and, and wouldn't you also say that um, the the percentage of green in particularly Western Europe is higher than the percentage of green yes. here? In yeah. Western Europe, I yeah. wouldn't say that in Eastern, Eastern Europe. No, fair enough. But in Western, yes. Yeah. And I think that makes a difference. I think the percentages actually make a difference. Here, you know, postmoderns are 25, 22% of the population. Mm -hmm. And um, it just seems to be the way God set it up is that we fight our way forward. I mean, this is true of nature, <laughs> red and tooth and claw, you know, uh, and it's also true of, um, of, of these stages of development that they, they, one of the things they want to do is fight with each other because they just don't like each other. You know, well, each one's right. Yeah. And each one's right. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, so, you know, in terms of the sort of some of the pathologies, if you will, of green, um, I think of another one is um, this. I, well, again, I'll just use an example. I'm, I'm working with a couple friends and we're doing a project. And um, first of all, the idea that we want to do it together. And just the default is, oh, yeah, let's get together and do this. That's a green impulse. Uh, and it's not to say that it's not functional. It can be functional. But in our group, and we're integral, you know, and we're all practitioners and we know our way around this stuff. Uh, there's nobody who wants to take leadership of the three of us. 
And I noticed that when one of us does try to take leadership, the other two kind of pounce on it. <laughs> and then we know better. And we still can't stop it. You know, and, and so Green's always doing that because, you know, one idea can't necessarily be better than the other. Every idea needs to be heard. Everybody needs to be included. Let's get everybody together and, and meet, and then we'll figure it out. So would you call that uh, an addiction to green, perhaps a green shadow? Yeah, I would. I, I would call it. Yeah. I've got one of those, too. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's rampant. Well, it, you know, if we think of integralists, most integralists are waist to neck deep in, you know, in green and orange and the other two. But, but, you know, we're just trying to stick our heads out from it. And, and I'll tell you, it's, this is what's so exciting about developmental theory and, and the idea of integral consciousness. If integral consciousness is as different from green as green is from orange and orange is from amber, we need to really open our minds to what is next here, you yes. know, and how beautiful and different and shocking and surprising it can be. And one of the things that I've noticed in when I went through my integral evangelist period, <laughs> I did too. <laughs> Embarrassing. You went through it more gracefully than I did. I went through it longer, <laughs> probably. I don't know. You, you came out of it much, <laughs> much more without many scars. Yes. <laughs> but what I, what I noticed in that period is when people really were open to what you just articulated, which is this huge change that will solve so many of the current problems. It's when they really deeply care about something and they don't understand why things are the way they are. It doesn't make any sense to them. They're confused. If you can very gently lead them to where they can see a new way of looking at the same old problems, that is a leap forward. Their eyes will get the size of saucers. And all of a sudden, you have somebody that sees the light. <laughs> yeah. And the door opens. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what we're trying to do here. Mm -hmm. We're trying to really appreciate the, the great gifts of postmodern egalitarianism. Really appreciate the contributions, the interior space, the universe behind the eyes and between the ears has opened like the sky. And then we're trying to really clearly articulate succinctly what the problems are that came along with that postmodern egalitarianism. The allergy against hierarchies you mentioned, the, the inability to discriminate, which really is another way of saying we have a blind spot. Yeah. And um, so we're only seeing half of the truth. The the problem with uh, disconnecting to absolute truth by making it all relative, only relative truth is all that's allowed. Yeah. We've disconnected from absolute truth or any yeah. of the, the methodologies of realizing absolute truth. And then if we can then get everybody shaking their head, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Accountability is a problem. Nobody's accountable. No, no leadership. Nobody can step up because they're immediately cut down. Yeah. And nobody uh, can get anything done because we're all just talking about our feelings, our yeah. interior world. Yeah. We've forgotten about the exterior world yeah. where shit happens and people get things done. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, the great thing about uh, green is the sensitivity, but there's such a thing as oversensitivity. Swaha. So that you can't. Um, uh, you, you get, and, and this happened in, in my um, uh, MDiv program. There, there were a couple um, classes where we basically just sat in a circle, and uh, it just allowed whatever was going to arise to arise. Uh, and, and that's a great practice. It's, uh, but in an overly sensitized environment, nothing happens. Nothing happens. And we would sit there and look at each other, and literally, we were all frozen because yes. we couldn't say anything. And and that happens. And it's one of the things that I think is going to be surprising. And we talk about, so what's this integral thing going to be? I think one of the things that's going to be is rude, or at least it's going to include rudeness. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to include people uh, being able to uh, mess up a lot more than green allows. Uh, uh, and, um, and I think that, you know, this is one of the sort of upsides, you, you know, God works in mysterious ways, Doshin. And this Donald Trump thing, you know, this, <laughs> this and if Donald Trump, if, if he's nothing else, he is anti-green. You know, that's his whole, you know, you can argue all kinds of other things, but that's the one thing that, and of course, traditionalists love that, and a lot of modernists love that too. They're 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 tired of the oversensitivity of green. The uh, traditionalists are, think it's ridiculous. You know, they're they're completely allergic to it. And so, uh, I I think as we integrate some of this stuff uh, forward, one of them is it's like the way we can be with our closest friends. A friend of mine told. I was talking about politics or something. I forget what it was, but he said, you're full of shit. And I thought, well, I beg your pardon. And I was going to get all mad that I realized what fun it was to have a friend who could just say that, you know? <laughs> and so I think there's something like that, that a green needs to sort of shake it off a little bit. And listen to that Taylor Swift song, shake it off. I mean, it's shake little, it off. all these feelings, all these ideas of how things should be, all this sensitivity Yes, we want to include that, but we don't want to just be, um, you know, oppressed by it, suffocated by it. And it can be suffocating. Yes. And we see it. You know, we see it in green organizations. Uh, we see it in integral organizations because the, the green is still there. And, uh, you know, I don't know how that's going to look all entirely. Uh, except that it's going to be surprising and it feels surprising every time I take a new little micro step into that new territory. It's exciting. Yeah. Uh, but I need to, I do, I do know that organizations that still have that, you know, God bless them, the, 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 the green sensitivity, uh, 
the, uh, some, uh, most of them at this point are realizing the limitations of it. <laughs> that there's something else that needs to be brought online as well. Yes. Leadership. Um, you know, uh, yes and no. You're in and you're out. Yeah. You know, these kinds of things uh, you know, are important. There are several organizations that I'm involved with. One of them is the Mankind Project, which is uh, an interesting organization. Uh, another one is the community at Benvauda, which is an incredible community in Holland. Uh, What's it called? Venvauda. Oh, Venvauda. Yes, I, I've heard of them. Yes. Yes. I know, know some people there. Yeah. I'm I'm doing a retreat there next next month. It's it's one of the most incredible communities I've ever experienced. They've been doing deep psychological and spiritual work in an integral context for 28 years as a living, thriving community. It's just gorgeous. Um, they, um, it's a wonderful place, but they have worked their way through a lot of the green problems. And the, um, the Mankind Project, uh, a group of MBAs from Stanford University volunteered to do a, a study of their financial status and they discovered that they were bankrupt and they didn't know it yet. You know, green isn't very sustainable economically. Right. And, um, they don't like money. You know, well, they feel, feel kind of funny around money. Yeah. They, <laughs> they don't like the power problems that come with money. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that, that is transferred onto the money. So, Th this gentleman was the chairman of the board and he took that to heart and he implemented steps to make them financially feasible again. I looked at the organization and I said, well, my God, you're spiritually bankrupt as well. <laughs> I bet they love that. <laughs> well, I didn't say that to the general population. I uh. said it to the board of directors and I was connected to them. So they were able to hear it and no, they didn't like love that, <laughs> but they, they recognized that there was some truth to it. Right. right. So um, I did some integral webinars for the board of directors to see if we couldn't move some of them closer to an integral perspective where they could see not only the problems, but move into solution space. And um, what I would like to see happen is some really applied integral theory like to, to help these green organizations like Findhorn, wonderful organization been doing great work since the sixties, Esalen Institute, Omega, uh, you know, so many of these green organizations have done such great work and they're struggling with leadership. That's really the key that you're talking about. Yeah. Integral leadership is a requirement to work our way through these green swamps that are filled with quicksand and solve the problems that are left. Yeah. And, and so, so that is such an important thing, yeah. integral leadership and green organizations and, and yeah. showing them the necessity and then finding the medicines for all the, illnesses of green like the allergies the shadows of green the allergies against hierarchy that the 
allergies against criticism. That's yep. a huge one. Yep. You can't criticize anybody, which means you can't teach anybody anything. Well, there's there's no standards. There's no basis on which to criticize. Everybody is their own precious jewel. Well, that's actually true. <laughs> but those jewels don't fit everywhere. And, and, you know, there's situations where we want them and situations where we don't. And and that that's um, you know that's one of the things that. I think green organizations need to do things where not everybody signs on, you know, where yeah. we're not, where we're not going to have everybody on board, you know, where we yes. even like, we, we might peel somebody off and let them do a skunk works off to the sides where somebody who's just alive with a, a, a mission, you know, a, monoma, a, a maniac on a mission um, <laughs> gets to run with it. Uh, even though it's, you know, not everybody's on board. And those kinds of things, um, that's how uh, a lot of organizations break through bureaucracy in general. Now, there's the orange bureaucracy where it's just basically too many rules and too many, um, you know, boxes to check. But green has its own kind of um, bureaucracy. It's a sort of a bureaucracy of culture, bureaucracy of the, of the mind that uh, you need to, I think, sometimes cut people loose from that and let them run. Uh, also, you know, one of the things you mentioned, the Mankind Project, and I, I had, uh, I did a couple really good retreats with um, the Mankind Project uh, several years ago. Um, and I thought it was pretty proto-integral in a way, uh, in the sense that for men, it is very much about sensitivity and getting in touch with our interiors and feelings. But it's also about bringing back a manliness. That is more the traditional view of men and, and including both of those things together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we talk about the, the allergies of green, and you mentioned it, actually, uh, one of the big allergies, sort of maybe a fundamental allergy of green is to power in general. There's no like it, you know, because power is always seen as, uh, as oppressive. In fact, green's story of history, the postmodern this is literally academic history, is that history is just, you know, one group, whoever's in power oppressing and, and, and you know, uh, exerting power over uh, other people. And, um, and, and there's really nothing else going on. That's the only thing going on. So power itself is, I cringe, I, I'm embarrassed, I'm afraid, you know, and, I think we need to rehabilitate power. And, 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 and I'll say something a little bit controversial, maybe, but manliness that's not necessarily limited to biological men. Yes. Just that sort of like, you know, what we would typically talk about is masculine power. There's a feminine power. And one of the things that Green, particularly these extreme people who are working at the extremes of gender fluidity, is realizing that these all are in the field and they're available to people who are biologically male and female. And that's a wonderful thing. But let's not oppress the the power of like strong feminine power, strong masculine power. Those are delicious and we don't want to put lids on them, you know. And we don't want to homogenize them and, and you know and keep them down because we're afraid of them. And we don't want to hamstring. Green. Yeah. 
That's a challenge for green and green organizations. And we desperately need that kind of powerful, authentic leadership. Yeah. With vision and knowledge. Yeah. Insight and knowledge. Yeah. You know, it was was actually, I, uh, one of uh, what happened with me with the Boulder Integral Center, which I started 10 years ago in Boulder here. And my idea was that it would be a community center for people who are interested in integral in Boulder. Well, it's, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I mean, there's just, Boulder is so green and even integral people are so green, really, you know, in these fundamental ways. I am too, I was too, you know, it's like everybody come, everybody in. And I realize now that I, I, I have an appreciation, although, you know, it, it, it's not, was never going to be me, but I have an appreciation for somebody like um, Andrew Cohen. Uh, who would just, I know there's big problems with with the way he handled things too, but but saying this is what it is, and if you don't like it, you're out, you know, and, 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 and actually creating a container where there's some really, really strong leadership. Um, when we had the Integral Institute uh, back in those days, Ken was a, a he was perfect because he could, he was just the authority. We all just knew he was the authority. We didn't have any question about that. He didn't have any question about that. God knows. And, and so it was came in handy that he would say, this is in, and this is not, this is integral. And this is not, was he always right with what it's that's mostly he was, but, um, it doesn't matter. You know, that's the great thing about strong leadership and somebody who's just lit up. You know, if we want people who are lit up to be able to, you know, do their thing. That's the aliveness. Yes. Of arrows moving yes. forward. Yes. Relentlessly. Yes. It's not being <laughs> like I was just suffocated by the great green <laughs> wave of humanity. <laughs> you know, um, Ken made the statement one time that, Every organization that he started, he started at second tier. And every single one went to green. Yeah. All to green. Yeah. And then I watched what you did at uh, Boulder Integral. You know, yeah. I, was, I was involved in that since almost the beginning. And, yes, uh, you remember. And I'd made the decision, that's not going to happen to me. That's not going to happen to my <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it was really interesting because I I literally invited people in. And then when their green showed up and tried to hijack the organization and make it green, which green always does, that's what they do. Exactly. Then I would I would create a, a crisis that they couldn't tolerate and they'd leave. And I wasn't very skillful. I wasn't nice. So I violated the number one rule. You have to be nice. Yeah. But I did it because I had to create a container where we could build the tools that I could do the work that I needed to do. And it wasn't going to be a green container. It was much more radically real. You know, so when people would come to the Integral Zen Sangha in Denver, they wouldn't say it's wonderful. They wouldn't say it's horrible. They would leave and they'd say, holy shit, that was real. (laughs) That's good. 
And what we were able to do was create some practical tools and methodologies to work in all four quadrants. And now we have a full toolbox to do that. But that's another conversation between us. Well, do you feel that you have created a, a, a sangha that's, you know, fundamentally largely integral or? Um, no, I actually don't. Um, it, it was, um, what, what I did that was different was I, I raised the bar. Not only do you, are we, are, is our intention at first it, you had to be this to, but there was nobody that was where the bar, nobody met the bar, including me, of course, yeah. <laughs> the bar was second tier. You had to have a cognitive second tier understanding that was stable. But then you also had to have stabilized in witnessing mind. You had to stabilize a witnessing mind vantage point, which nobody had, including, right. especially if you factor in my shadows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that became the intention. That became, we all had to recognize that intention. And that was the glue that held us together. That was what we kept defaulting to. Yeah. So in that sense, we had more than just an integral container. Yeah. We had an integral Zen container. Yeah. And we all fell short. Yeah. And that was okay. But at least you knew what you were doing. At least you knew what you were shooting for. And the critical thing, as it turns out, is to have assessment tools, self-assessment, collective assessment, and Roshi assessment of what my cosmic address is. Yeah. That's what proved essential. Yeah. 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 And then tools to grow, because we all needed to grow. Right. To wake up, grow up, show up, and clean up. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, that's um and uh, that's an achievement. And you know, here here that that you you did that and you're doing that. And I think part of you know, what we struggle with when we talk about integral community in general is that um, I think it's extra hard to do integral community because um, I, I, I always think of what Ken talks about modernity coming online. So modernity came online, you know, starting 400 years ago, with Galileo and the whatever, you know, and, and 300 years ago. Uh, but as, as he put it, uh, we had to talk about it for 300 years before anything happened. <laughs> and I think there's some truth to that with integral too. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, uh, Ken also points out that thoughts are things that, yes. you know, yes. the, the, the left-hand quadrants are actually in the world of form. They're not in the world of emptiness. They're, they're all four quadrants are in the world of form. It's just that that's non-material form. Mm -hmm. But thoughts are real. So the more we think integral thoughts, the more we have integral conversations, the more we try and fail to create integral organizations, that sort of thing, try and succeed. Uh, that's a, you know, that's what we're doing. And it's not so easy, uh, even using integral theory in sort of the classic sense, Teal is more of an individualistic um, stage. You know, I think Teal and Turquoise come on you know, once you realize what we're doing here and we're actually evolving, we can participate in our own evolution, that we want to bring back the disowned parts of the previous stages, all of that, the project of integral, then teal and turquoise become sort of, you know, together. 
but uh, but that teal stage is still about me just getting my head sorted out, you know, myself. Yeah, it's about creating the world space of second tier while we're doing all the talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exploring all these subtle objects. Yes. Things. Yes. Like thoughts and feelings. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And realizing that there is an absolute truth. And however you want to describe that um, is the, sort of the, uh, I, for me, I, I think a good word for that is love. Yeah. You know, just this idea that this realization of oneness, this realization of the unfolding of Eros that, you know, 13.8 billion years ago, there arose a big cloud of hydrogen and it turned into us. You know, something's going on here. That is an absolute truth. The absolute and, mystery. Of yes. Life. Amazing. How did it come to be? This yes. Life? Yes. Where is the intelligence that's yes. driving this? Life? Yes, exactly. And that is something that we can count on. And, and, and we're not just, you know, accidents of entropy, you know, flying around on a rock. You God know. doesn't roll dice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. You know, I, I often think of, I remember you saying in those early years of Boulder Integral, I just want to be held in the arms of God. Yeah. Now, who doesn't? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and that safety yeah. that is created, that, that is a, a connection to eternity. Yeah. You know, I would use different words, being a Zen teacher. Right. Uh, to me, it's, it's the, the being held in this pure, selfless awareness. You know, and I'm, I'm really warming up to this word bodhicitta, you know, which is very similar to your use of love. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, you Buddhists, uh, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I was raised Catholic. I'm not a Buddhist. I'm a Catholic. You don't right, get rid of that. And I was raised Christian, and I did my, you know, have the boot. I can't imagine my life without both God and emptiness, with both of those, you know, presumably irreconcilable, uh, you know, theological poles. Yes. But um, thank God I have both, you know. And you know, I, I just want to share a little teaching on that subject that Father Keating gave me. I went up to visit him, and it was before I became a, a received Inca and became a lineage holder in, in Zen. And he has some incredible Zen stories. You know, they secretly held a, a Renzai Zen retreat in the basement of, of Spencer Abbey, the, the Spencer, a a Massachusetts, the abbey that he was the abbot of. And for 16 years, every year, Sasaki Roshi came in and did a, a full-blown Zen retreat. Father Keating has some wonderful Zen stories. So I felt obligated to tell him some of my Catholic stories, which weren't nearly so good. No, no. <laughs> and uh, after I was through, he listened to me so patiently with such love in his heart. And he towered above me. You know, he's 6'8", I'm 5'10". And he puts his hand on my shoulder. And he says, my son, you must learn to love all religions, especially yours. Oh, 
That just broke my heart open. Oh. It was such a healing. Yeah, right on. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I went through the same thing. I mean, I disowned my Christianity fiercely for many, many years. Uh, until I couldn't do it anymore. You know? <laughs> it's in the wild. I wanted it back. You know, not in the way I had it. Yeah. Not in that, you know, exclusive Jesus is the one way, all of that you could leave behind. But to be lived and loved by God mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, wow, it's such a relief. I mean, I could get um, why people don't want to give that up so easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty clear, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and when you what? say, who doesn't want to be held in the arms of God? Richard Dawkins. Uh, there's yeah. a whole, you know, the 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 the, the um, materialist modernists don't uh, because they're they don't believe it. You know, they they, they think know, that that's you know what altar they want to worship at. Which one? They want to be held in the arms of reason. Yes, it's exactly. not different than God. Like, fair enough. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Good point. And uh, it's it's. We, we all have our addictions and our allergies. You know, that um, that's another discussion, which would be rich as well. Right. Yeah. Well, cool. So let's see if there's anything else I had here. Um, I don't know how we doing. I think it's a wonderful place to come to rest and perhaps continue some other day. Yeah, right on. I, I, I'm so grateful for your wisdom and, and your just your, your skillfulness of, of articulating these difficult topics. And I, what I've noticed that, you know, you're moving from the extremes into the middle way. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a relief. Yeah, you know, I mean, from an integral perspective, we kind of want to include the whole 50, you know, 100 yards. We kind know? of need to, don't we? 50 yard lines, you know, and uh, in a, in a right on to the, you know, the middle way and just have it all available to us. Yes. Uh, Leave nothing out that's yes. human. Exactly. Exactly. Why would we? Even if it's not nice. Exactly. Even if it's rude. Even if it's rude. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, I, I, I always love the Zen teachings about that, is that you can cut somebody's head off if, in Zen, but you're not allowed to really enjoy it too much. <laughs> no. And you want to make it as clean and painless as possible for the person whose head is being removed. Uh, and uh, as long as you keep those couple of things in mind, uh, I think, uh, you know. The, the whole point of Zen is to cut your own head off. Well, there you go. Yeah. Right on. And you want to do that as cleanly as you exactly. 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 Yeah. A nice clean cut with a nice sharp sword. Yes. And that's why you have somebody behind you with a bigger sword. Right. Screw it up. Right on, man. Deepest gratitude. So lovely to yes. connect with you again. Very great. Wonderful to you. you. Yeah. I miss you too. It's wonderful. So, so let's we'll talk stay in touch. Soon. That's Indeed. a deal. 
Yeah, I want to hear about how it goes in Findhorn. Oh, you will. I really want to hear about that. You need yeah. to come with me to Findhorn. I think well, they'd love you. Yeah, well, I think you should <laughs> take some pictures and show them to me. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> <laughs>